plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to the play-in version of Warriors Plus Minus. We have all squandered our opportunity to be in the regular playoffs. So this is the, well, what seed are we gonna be? That's the remaining question. Got my guys with me, Tim Kawakami, Ethan Strauss, Anthony Slater. Slater, man, you uh, you put the nail in the coffin on the six seed pretty, uh, is it a little early? No, it's, no, not. it's not early. <laughs> that 28-0 run was the end. That, that was it. They don't even believe it, probably. Yeah, I mean, look, three and a half back, I believe, um, with 10 to go, the Mavericks have 11 to go, and the tiebreaker, so you can really add an extra game to that. And Mavericks have plenty of simple games left. Like, the Mavericks, at minimum, are going to win, like, six more games. And and I know that they have a soft schedule. The Warriors are not about to go 10-0. and 0. I never thought they were going to get the six seed. If they had won last night, maybe I would have had a thought about it, but they're not that good. I mean, I, I don't want to shake up the world here, but the Warriors aren't that good. Mavericks aren't terrific themselves, and they have been playing great, but they're better than the Warriors. They didn't have Porzingis, and they destroyed the Warriors on a back-to-back. The, the Warriors have gotten through this, you know, the little funky lineup. It's great. Steph's, when he is incredible, which he's been for most of the season, the Warriors can compete with everybody, but when he's not incredible or when he's taken away, they're not that good. They're okay. They're a 500 team. That's what they are. For them to get the sixth seed, they would have had what? Be six games over 500, Slater, you think? Five, at least five games over 500. And they're not getting there. That's just not who they are. The Mavericks' remaining games Detroit, they play. Sacramento, they play. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers twice. And remember, these are teams that want to lose at this point of the season. They're all jockeying for positioning. Toronto, Minnesota is their last game of the regular season. So, so like, the Mavericks. They put it out of reach yesterday. Now, the Mavericks are still battling because they have the, the Blazers to worry about, and the Warriors were going to have to hop three more teams besides the Mavericks, by the way, which we can get to. There are varying levels of likelihood of them hopping those teams. So at this point, to me, the goal is just get on the 7-8 side of the plan. Like, just do that. That's the main thing they have to do. Well, we got a lot to digest. Those type of games leave you with, you know, with some reflection. I, I feel like that 60-point loss wasn't that long ago. So... What, if anything, are you taking 53 away? 53 point loss. Give them some yeah, credit. Well, they were down 60. They Smiley were down Smiley Geach had a late run in that game. He almost fought somebody at the end, and they, and they went from 62 down, and they only lost by 53. It's not that bad. Hardy rally. Hardy rally. We know TK's takeaway is, yeah, they're just not that good. Ethan, what, what did you walk away with? That, and I also think this was worse than the Raptors' loss, just because, A, because they, they had this goal in their midst, B, because it was on national television, which does matter, does echo across the league when you're embarrassed in front of everybody. C, because on an individual level, it killed any shot of Steph getting MVP, I think. So when you really just add it up, really bad loss. Can I add a D? Steph Curry didn't play. Andre Green didn't play in the Toronto game. They played in this one. <laughs> yeah, we could probably, if we think about it, add an E and an F and uh, maybe get all the way down the alphabet. Here's my E. Can't, can't blame James Wiseman for this one. Can't blame development for this one. 
That's good. We're, That's good. We're going down the alphabet, man. I got to play this podcast back so my son can uh, understand it better. Uh, just and, and uh, let me say one <laughs> other thing that's going to infuriate Warriors fans. The Steph Curry MVP candidacy was based, and, and I just talked to Chris Mullen yesterday, who says he is the MVP, and granted, I understand what everyone's saying there, but it's based on him playing at a level that nobody could sustain. Nobody. This was, like, to, to get to the numbers that he would have to get to on a 500 team, and that's what this is, he would have, have just continued making 10 threes a game, scoring 40 a game. That's just not going to happen. If he had done it, yes, you're the MVP, Steph. Absolutely. But what I do think sometimes you get said, okay, he just did it for six straight games. That means he's going to do it for the next 14. No, the six, you got to celebrate the six that he did it in because it was so good. That's why it makes it good because he can't do it for 20 in a row. Okay, I'll stop. Everyone's getting mad at me for that one. I, I think that's realistic, and it probably also might have required Jokic slipping on a wet spot and getting himself hurt, and who knows. But I think the door is shut on that, just like the door is shut on the sixth seed. Yeah, they have some injuries. It matters for them because they're already depleted. Uh, that helped the bottom fall out, but that was just an embarrassing performance. And it's a reminder of why even if Space Jam is a terrible movie, and I think it's awful, and Marcus and I have talked about it, it does deliver one of the best sports metaphors, which is sometimes it just looks like guys in the NBA have their powers sapped from them. It really looked like suddenly everybody on the Warriors just didn't know how to play basketball anymore. It was really shocking. There was one kind of current between a lot of these blowouts, and, and as Slater wrote, they seemed to suffer a lot of them. Like when they get down, they really get down. It's that Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre are not good in blowouts. Like, they don't turn it around. Those are not guys, although we've seen Oubre do it, you know, but those are not wings that you go, okay, wait a minute, Steph doesn't have it tonight. Draymond doesn't quite have it. Go get them, guys. (laughs) That doesn't happen with those two. It's this devil's combination of Wiggins not stepping up and Oubre stepping up too much. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 you don't need to take that angle three off the dribbles. No, 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 no. (laughs) They need a good possession. Well, it reminded me a little of the Wizards game. Remember, so like Steph comes out of the gate looking fatigued. And we can, you know, you you kind of alluded to that. But they, as a team, look fatigued. But then in the middle of the first quarter, Oubre came in. And Oubre hadn't played in in a few games. It was like an injection of energy. And he was really good in that Wizards game. And remember, they were down 18, I think, at the end of the first quarter. And him and Jordan Poole just dragged them back. And they've had a really good kind of like one-two combo offensive run off the bench. Last night, they're having offensive issues early. And, you know, they were up 12 11 and then suddenly it's 16 12 suddenly it's 18 12 they bring Ubre and eventually they bring pool in and you're like you know can this newfound like bench punch rescue them again can can they can they inject them with life and then it was like oh no they're playing just as poorly looking just as fatigued and this one Ubre ended i think a minus 41 in his minutes. <laughs> um and pool was not good either no, you know i don't i don't know what his minus was because i think he saved some of it late but at one point he was like one of seven with a few turnovers and he had airballed a couple shots like they airballed i think three or four shots and then just the 28-0 run is just historic it hadn't been done in the nba since 2009 i asked curry about it and he he was like, we didn't do that to anybody. And that tells you all you need to know. The dynasty Warriors never did to the Warriors last night what the Mavericks did. And to be honest, Dallas didn't look that good. That was like the weakest 28-0 run I've seen. And by the way, Dallas isn't that good. I mean, that's the other, if we're going to add an F on they top of the They lost to the e. Kings the night before. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're that good either. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and no Porzingis. I mean, no Porzingis has been up and down this season, but no Porzingis, that's, you know, that's a body they, they don't have. So that's a G. Not, 
And yeah, not that I'll make one qualifier. Not that it wasn't going to save this game, but they could have really used Ken Bensmore and Damon Lee in this game. They really, I mean, that it's just a layer. It's not a great layer, but it's a layer that protects them sometimes against depending so much on people who don't have it. And maybe Bazemore and Lee wouldn't have had it either. But Michael Mulder, forget in all the driving layups and threes he made at the end, isn't going to save. He's just not as accurate a three point shooter as he needs to be. Yes, and that's what he does, and defensively he just gets roasted. And Bazemore and Lee kind of do some other things. Again, they weren't saving this. I'm not saying they were saving this, but maybe instead of it being you know down 40, it would have been you know a 15 point game, 20 point game. You know, it's it's a recognizable NBA loss instead of just this utter devastation. I agree with that, and I also think that having more bodies matters when they look so gassed, which then makes me wonder. I would get why Steph Curry looks gassed and he actually I mean compared to the other players played way better but why are they looking so tired what's up with that well Wiggins has played every game you know he's played like 250 more minutes than, than anybody else on the team I'll, I'll give Wiggins like it's been it's, he's been there every game like we can go up and down and criticize him and praise him but but he's, he's always he's been there every game though. yeah I was different than any other year well yeah but I mean he he's allowed to feel like he's in the dog days I would say for me yeah I mean I, I remember somebody did a study early in the season about the amount of like massive blowouts just league wide and I think part of it was like that whole like rubber band theory like when teams get down this season because of everything that has surrounded this season and all the protocols just the tired nature, the empty, mostly empty arenas, although it's now not fully empty, teams kind of give up. It did seem a little bit like, you know, they had given up as a team. And like they hadn't practiced and it seemed to have been working for them. You know, they came off that road trip that was a tiring road trip through five different East cities. And they had said, you know what? No practice, no shoot around. Let's see how it works. They, They were good in that Denver game so Kerr went okay no practice after the Denver game no shoot around they came out sloppy against Sacramento but I think because they survived and won the game he was like let's just kind of keep this rhythm going of no practice no shoot around and I think it eventually caught up to him like not only did they you know more than fatigue last night they just looked like rusty kind of you know it was an energy thing but it was also just like and then guess what he did immediately they're practicing as we're speaking right now they're at 10 a.m. practice right now. I think there's another element, too, that doesn't make the difference. I don't know. But Dallas was like, okay, this is a playoff game. We're going to ramp up our defense. We're going to overplay. We're going to pressure on the perimeter. And we're going to make them create. We've seen it before in the playoffs. That motion offense, everybody knows it. And these aren't the guys who can counter it. They just can't. And when you start looking at like how they decided to attack Dallas. They just went out there running the same sets they always do. I just don't think that's as effective against a playoff level defense. It's just not as effective. I mean, if you just look at the usage rates, Luca's 46, like it's playoff games. You know, Luca's, I mean, he he's typically high, but he was even higher than normal. And then you got Steph at 27 for the first half and, you know, I think he finished at 30. Like, him and Jordan Poole are about the same. Like, at some point, you just got to be like, hey, we can't do this passing on the perimeter and helping teams, like, kind of funnel the ball where they want to go. There's a reason Oubre <laughs> keeps taking it on his own because he's got the one-on-one coverage. Like, he's got the opening. I feel like they just say, all right, yeah, we're going to run our offense and it's just going to work. And, you know, Kevin Durant was even saying that. This stuff, like, it's, it's, it doesn't work like that all the time. Sometimes you, you got to counter it somehow, and I don't think they were ready to. 
I can probably recall 25 Steve Kerr coaches talking about when they signed Kevin Durant, how important having him in the playoffs would be, you know, even in during the regular season, it'd be like, you know, like when they need a bucket. And I think they were informed really by that. Remember that Cavalier? I mean, obviously we remember it, but the Cavaliers uh, second finals that they lost. Yeah. Coming out of that, it was like, you know, they just got super physical. Refs weren't calling as many fouls, bumping off ball. And they, they, took him out of a bunch of sets and I think you're correct I and also I think when when you go into a slump with that kind of offense I mean it could get really demoralizing the way like Steph Curry's just scattering around the court for like four straight empty possessions and he's already in a fatigued state you know because of the season and it just seemed like it was like oh the exhaustion they need a couple other playmakers I and mean, we've said this for all season Clay Thompson presumably is one of them at least a shot maker but you know, someone who who moves the defense. Wiseman was the one that they were hoping would develop into that. I think there certainly are open questions on that, but he's an option, and then they're going to have to add a player or two because I think we saw the extent of where this thing could go without another option offensively other than stuff and putting him in there with two non-shooters with Draymond and Looney and potentially a third non-shooter in Kelly Oubre who shoots. So you have three of those guys on the court with him when Ubre substitutes and he's not starting, but that makes it tricky. You know, and they got away with it for an incredible run there because Steph was playing at you know god level, and it isn't going to happen all the time. He might get back into it at some point, but it's really tough. It, there's a thin line on that one. They need other people. That's why Steph shouldn't have to carry this load because great teams don't do it like this. They do it in spots. They do it in certain moments. But then they also have Clay, who can go give you Game Six against the Thunder. You know, you also have Durant. Obviously, you'd always want Durant. But you also, you know, like you don't just say, "Okay, our entire game plan is in 36 minutes, Steph, you're going to score 40 points." That's it. It does boil well, down. But why is that? Not the, that's Dallas's game plan. <laughs> well, how far is Dallas going to go in the playoffs, too? By the way, I mean, you know, we'll see. But we we'll just, see. I mean, like that, that's my point. Like they're not a great team. So no. why are they playing like? They have well, a great team. What? I mean, what? So you play pick and roll. aren't great. You play pick and roll with Draymond and make sure that Wiggins gets in the corner. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying it's limited when you don't have the people who can make the shots. It is limited. Is this somebody's fault? Are they broadly failing Steph Curry? Or do we say, hey, I think play part of it is injury. Steph's fault. He's probably tired, but maybe it's Draymond's fault because somebody at some point has to say, like, I don't know what they got to say something and be like, all right, Steph, we're done here. Like this is a 15-0 run or a 13-0 run. Like this is all you. So everybody get out the way and you take your guy. But instead, they're doing the okay. We're gonna invite the double team and then he stands out by the hash mark for 15 seconds while other people try to make a play. And you simply just can't do that. You you just can't do that. You can't do it for healthy stretches. If Steph doesn't have it, then he goes four for 25 and you lose the game that's going to be a better option than this well i mean but there were possessions when he did that I mean, he was jacking up those quick threes or airballing you know it, it, they, they go in and out of it he took six shots in the first half yeah they're what always going to go do it that yeah. much well when a double team i mean a double team at some point it's, it's but it's, that's what i'm saying that's a design they're like okay we're gonna i got i got luca on me or whoever on me somebody who i could probably take we're gonna we're gonna bring a screen to get the double team because the whole point is to try to get those other guys involved. And I'm saying like against playoff defenses, that's what they're saying. Hey, let's get the ball in Ubre's hand. <laughs> like let's let him make a play. And they play right into their hands. 
it is limited by like okay then Steph goes one on one and it doesn't happen like that does happen like he goes one on one sometimes it doesn't work and then you got four guys just standing around and that's not what they want either so it it it's it just I think it's just bet you got to get a couple better players I just don't and, and they got to hope Wiseman is somehow blended into this when when Clay's out there because you just don't want to say Steph go score forty he's going to do it. There are times when he's going to do it, but you just can't say that because it's impossible in this league. It's just James Harden has come the closest that I think we'll ever see, and look what you know that team doesn't get through the playoffs. There's an idea here; it doesn't have to be as pedantic as they are about it. I know about share the ball move, but it also happens to be the best way you can win games, even with Steph at his best. I do believe that, and the the answer is they did they don't have enough personnel to do it like this. You can say Clay Thompson's injury, you can say Jacob Evans' draft pick, you can say whatever you want. Jordan Poole not ready yet. But Jacob Evans, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you have to say, what's the personnel issue? Because I always joke, like, well, I don't joke. I say it back tartly. Like, what are they supposed to do? Trade for Embiid and Doncic? I mean, those traits aren't there to get a difference maker. They're just. I mean, not. but you don't need to do that to show up against Dallas with the playoffs. No, no, it was just. last night was last night was terrible. Last night was terrible. Last night was horrible. It feels like Steph has done everything you would want him to do, above and beyond expectations. And the situation appears to be failing him. Now, is that any person in particular's fault? I think that's harder to make that call. There are circumstances involved. It was hard for them to add players given how capped out they were in building up the entire championship run. And then these circumstances like Clay's injury, which is a weird one, by the way, a very weird one to have kind of a stress injury uh, after being out for, for such a long period of time. It's just a strange thing, but maybe it's just a situation where there's a little blame spread all the way around, but it does seem like a squandering of Steph Curry implausibly and probably getting even better at this stage of his career. Four max players on the books. One, they've paid now, what, like $67 million over the last two seasons. He's played zero minutes. Draymond's was a, was a max extension, so it's at a le- lesser cap number, but technically, like at the time he signed it, it was the max he could sign. His offense has obviously fallen off a cliff. I mean, he, he he's fourth in the league in assists, and he is doing a lot of passing and, and playmaking, but we know how Draymond just constricts everyone else offensively because of the way his defender is able to guard him. Curry's obviously one of the three, and then Andrew Wiggins, who I think we all agrees, have agreed is having a solid season, but he's really a $15 million per year. If we're Monday morning quarterback in it, I do think if they could do it all over again, they probably make a different call on Draymond. And you can see why they made the call that they did. That might have been a tough decision that they needed to have made the other way to to avoid yeah, the circumstances. Yeah, but then nah, yeah, I don't think yeah, so. I think you had to reward him for for being so low paid, you know, underpaid for so long. And also, number thirty wants him on the team, and I think that's pretty also, important. I think that's pretty million important. dollars is not that big of a yeah, deal. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a, now the next three years, whatever. But I, makes I think makes more sense to, when Clay's out there. He just yeah. Does. They, they had they had a, they had to resign Draymond because you don't resign Draymond, then what you know, there's just a ripple effect through the roster through what players think of you. I get, Ethan is correct intellectually, but. I don't think, you know, they could possibly... I wasn't yelling from the rooftops that they needed to do it, and I get why they made the decision they made. It's just one where, if we're just looking at the circumstance they're in now, because I think we can look at it and go, where they are is not where they want to be. Um, I think we can say that. Now, it's not completely bleak. 
right? They've got some upside, whatever you think of Wiseman, and two first-round picks theoretically come in uh, in the next draft, right? There, There is upside here. You can turn it around. But I think it's fair to look at it and go, they are in a circumstance they did not really want to be in at this juncture. How did they get there? What decisions played into it? And then what decisions do they need to make to get out of it? And Wiseman was was there you know was one way out of it. The picks are, are, are another way out of it, and they got to hope that Draymond you know can score a couple baskets a game. And and we've not seen proof of that. Uh, we've he seen had it here been and there. better yeah. lately. He had been, but little has little Haslam mid range off the pick and roll was interesting. You love the Haslam mid range. I do. I enjoy it. Do like maybe that they, should, they should maybe they should go get Haslam. Go sign. See if Haslam's available. <laughs> he is not. The Miami Heat are still uh, paying him to be on the roster. He's the only guy who's been with his team for longer than Steph's been with the Warriors, by the way. And I keep waiting to say that Steph's the longest, and I keep getting it wrong because Haslam's longer than my been longer in my. So what we're talking about is like off-season questions, obviously, and, and long term, and they're going to have to face that stark reality when the season ends, and the fact that instead of a full summer of Wiseman, he's like in the early stages of a rehab. Like that's those are all big issues. But in the now, even coming off that horrendous loss to Dallas, they're still set up in a decent spot to try to sneak their way into the playoffs and then try to scare a Utah or a Phoenix the next 10 games, you know, three against the Pelicans, two against the Thunder. They're about to play the Wolves and Rockets coming up. Although the Wolves are kind of of frisky, by the way, I think they're up to the third worst record in the league. Bumping, bumping the percentages uh, out of that number four pick for the Warriors, possibly. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. A lot of wins are on the table, and you know, these offensive issues that they have against good teams or playoff level defenses like will pop up if they get into a first round series against Utah or Phoenix and and they clearly, particularly against Utah, should probably run a lot more pick and roll, as Mike Brown once did, um, with Kevin Durant against Rudy Gobert in a Utah Warrior series. But there's still a lot of wins left on the table in the next couple of weeks. And I can't fully report this yet, but it sounds like Kent Bazemore is likely going to be back, which will help for this road trip. So where are you guys at right now on this team? I think they're a playing team. You know, I mean, you look around, there's not, not a great bunch of great teams around them either. We, we can we can line them up and criticize what the Warriors have done, yet they've still pulled off a bunch of wins lately. They still have one of the best players in the league. They still have, you know, sometimes they play some pretty decent defense. So they're eight, seven, eight, you know, maybe nine. I think out of this season, that's about what they should be. And they shouldn't be worse than that. And they should get in there and, you know, and then don't lay an egg there. If you lose, lose with, with some effort and some force. But uh, I think a 500 team should be eight, nine, and that's where they are. And then get themselves into this, into the Knicks, see where they can go. I don't think any of us foresee a long run, but get in there, maybe make a little bit of noise. Is it too much to ask for Adam Silver to just tilt things in, in, in the Warriors' uh, direction uh, to help with these whole uh, TV ratings? I mean, I'm looking at the numbers. I'm just saying. I'm just, you know, David Stern might. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's, uh, it's, it's quite the blow to the league if there's not at least one playoff steer- series involving the uh, Golden State Warriors. There were 12 games on cable last week, NBA games. The two most watched were the two Steph played in. So, yeah, it's... Uh, 
You, I'm, you got I'm, all I'm the clout. Choking. You got all the clout. You just make it happen. You got. The, I'll just make it happen. I'll, I'll contact I'm my old employees. I'm curious what the, the tilt NBA. would look like. What kind of tilt do you have in uh, mind? Calling the off-ball fouls. Yeah, he's going to say officiating. The officiating. No I mean, that was. Too. I mean, if we're totally honest about it, David Stern, R.I.P. That was an influence Stern had over teams and players and coaches and keeping them in line. Is that the league would share points of emphasis with these refs and that point of emphasis could help you or hurt you and there was never any we need to screw this team or screw that team or any hard evidence of it but i think people people knew that hey uh yeah your 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 player's favorite move might be the point of emphasis in this playoff series so yeah a point of emphasis a point of emphasis on off off ball grabbing would do the warriors so nice in the in the play in tournament ethan throwing out those conspiracy theories throwing them out there go ahead go i'm just believing in sense I believe in incentives. That's all. That's all I believe in. You think they might have said something to the officials for Game Six before the Kings Lakers series? Uh, I don't know. Mm, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Ralph okay. Nader and me this have is, talked about it a lot. This become a conspiracy <laughs> theory podcast. <laughs> <laughs> which Ubre are we evaluating on? By the way, is it Lucha Ubre? Because because there was a couple games there where Ubre was like it was you know he's looking great it's like uh huh I like bench Ubre I, I I'm not a I don't dislike bench Ubre I I just don't I don't know about over thirty minutes in a game Ubre and it's fair to say you got your up games you got your down games I'm not blaming him for the the last game he had a few good ones uh, that was my ultimate Ubre takeaway was yeah a little bit of a smaller dose of Ubre might not be worth the Selective Warriors pocketbook. Dose. Yeah, here's, here's, selective dose. Like if you're an executive, and and, and, I, and I know we've seen his estimates, and I know he has value, and he's young. If you watch this season, are you really going to give him eighteen million dollars a year, though? Really? I mean, I know there's money to be spent, and we know that they have to spend it for their cap room and all. But is that the guy you're really going to give eighteen million dollars a year? Because I don't think he's an eighteen million dollar a year player. I um, I don't. I just don't. I don't see it. I, I know what it. you're saying, but like Phoenix gave him 14 million a year, like two off seasons ago, and he was worse then. But he was 22, you know, and you could really you could project he's better him being, now. I mean, but he's had two pro- better seasons. But he's got a ceiling. He's got a ceiling. There's no question. Kelly Uber's got a ceiling, and maybe you couldn't see it back then. I didn't see it. I thought he was going to be a better player with the Warriors right this season than he's been. Uh, I just didn't think he was going to fire up those crazy threes like he does, and he makes them. I know occasionally. But he puts up way too many of them. He shoots them like he's Steph, and he's not Steph. And the defense is on the ball is good. I think off the ball is not so good. And the plus minus numbers are just horrendous with him. They're just terrible. So I mean, he's a mini Wiseman, you know, dragging down that lineup when he's in there. I don't know that. I, I think he's a nine million, ten million dollar player. I really don't. You know, this will get excerpted and I'll get yelled at on Twitter, but I, I just don't think he's. An $18 no, I think there player. are a lot of people that would have that opinion. I think there are a lot of front offices that are like, we're just not adding him. He's a zero million dollar. There are far more Warriors fans who are frustrated with Ubre than there are Warriors fans who are backing Ubre. I feel like it's just a few people, but that's like off the bench. I mean, if you if you look at. The people who are making $18 million now, Tim Hardaway Jr., Julius Randle, Terry Rozier, Aaron Gordon, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Goran Dragic, Miles I mean, Turner. Evan F- I mean, it's all the guys we talked about potentially Fournier. trading for him. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? That is the kind of tier he's in. I understand that it's the parameters. 
I would not pay it. I'm just saying, if you're an NBA executive, can you see doing that? I would say, no, you know what? I can go, I can go get somebody for $4 million who's going to do 60% of that. The problem has always been, you know, maybe you can get a trade exception. That might be the proper way to go. But in general, like, you can't replace them. I guess I'm saying this, like, are the Warriors going to have to, like, they might only have to pay him 12. And for 12 and 13, he's a lot better for them than he is at 18. Is it too touchy-feely sharing his caring Hoosiers to just say he plays too selfish for the sort of culture they're trying to instill? Like he just he, he does for the starting selfish. lineup. Yeah, he does for the starting lineup, and I think that's what they've already they've decided. I think the that. harder conversation with him isn't like, hey, you know, what's your what's your monetary value? Because you're you're right, the market might correct, or or you know, you never know how anybody's market is going to go, especially kind of a, a of a high variance player like him. But I think the harder conversation with him is like, you know, not only just would he probably have to come back at a lower dollar amount than he prefers on the market, but also you'd have to say like he should really only be on the team if he's a bench player. That has been made clear this past week with the fact that even when Bazemore's out, he's literally starting Michael Mulder over him. Like, there's no way they can go to the summer and be like, yeah, Kelly, I know, that was a late season thing. You're going to come back and, you know, 35 minutes a night. I know Clay Thompson's come back. Like, he knows if he's coming back. Like, there might be games where he's getting, you know, 15 minutes. And that I just don't think he's ready to accept. We'll see. I just don't think so. That's certainly not what he signaled. I just think you have to be able to pass the ball a lot better if you're going to shoot that inefficiently. I mean, to shoot inefficiently and never pass as a perimeter player, it's not going to outweigh what, what he's doing on defense. It's 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 just not great. Um, I'm more inclined to try to figure it out with other guys, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to salvage Joe Lacob's money. I, I I just think in terms of the culture, in terms of what some of these other guys have shown that you can get for for not as much. Um, in terms of how he doesn't seem to want the role they would need him to play, I just don't see how he fits, especially when Clay comes back and play. Clay's not exactly a ball mover. Uh, I I just don't see the fit long term. MT, you raised the question. What's your answer? He would absolutely have to accept the role they want him and. I'm kind of with you, TK. I mean, is when he goes into free agency, right, and he's on the market, what's he getting? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, he, he's been saying he wants to be home, right? He wants to find a place to settle, to, to like, put roots. Is he getting a four-year, $72 million deal? Four-year, $80 million deal? If he's getting that, he's out, right? That Like, he's got to take that because probably the only time he's going to get it. So... It would have to be the market, which has happened before. You know, Looney's here because of that, right? Like, the market just doesn't, you know, produce the harvest that they think, and you end up taking the role. He would have to fit in that role, I think. The problem with, like, the Looney comparison is, like, Looney, you're right. We thought he was going to have a bigger market. He didn't. So he said, you know what? I love my role with the Warriors. They love how I play my role. I'm going to come back. It's a home. With Ubre, the problem isn't just, like, hey, what if the market says, well, eh, you know, they're only offering me mid-level exception. They're only offering me $12 million a year. But I have three offers of that. Two of them are saying I'm going to start and play 30 guaranteed minutes, and I can basically, you know, get up shots like I want. And the Warriors are saying, no, you're coming back to a bench role. Like, that is probably the bigger, you know, conflicting point. Does he want to win? No, it might be a winner that, that wants to sign him. You know, who, who knows? But I agree. I think all these things are in play. But yeah, the idea of the Warriors getting in a hot market for Kelly Oubre, I think is this season would argue strongly against that. 
Uh, and I've thrown Bazemore out there too many times that I shouldn't do it again, but I just think you, if you re-sign Bazemore for three, you get a strong enough percentage of value difference that you might as well just do that. And again, it's not about saving Lakeup's money other than there's got to be some level where they're not going to go to on this payroll. There's some tax money that they're not going to hit, especially after a season where they're not, you know, they didn't have fans for most of the season. They limited it this year a little bit, you know, with the fact that they didn't use the DPE was clearly like, look, this isn't a title team. There's no you know, use in going and spending another $25 million to get Nemanja Bielitsa on the team, essentially. And right now, I mean, it sounds like Gary Payton the second's not necessarily coming back and they'll probably leave a couple open roster spots for the next couple of weeks i mean at the end of the day that's mostly just about saving tax money yeah i mean there is there yeah and if once my line always once you're in the tax i'm not going to rip you for trying to save some of the tax like they're in the tax like they're they're paying crazy money they're heavy so, in the tax yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i'm never going to criticize a team that far in the tax for not going more in the tax so just within that parameter, especially not like, when you get smacked by thirty with in a playoff type of game. Like, hey, yes, I ain't yes. tax for that. Either. Yes, so you know, if if they say Baysmore plus Damian Lee equals enough, close enough, plus a draft pick is enough to balance out, decide to play Kelly Oubre eighteen million. I, I don't have a problem with that. I especially am not going to kill him for it when what's the NBA's financial situation? I mean, that's a big open question that. Yeah, I mean, you mean like for the free agent market? Because I think the Warriors have decided that their market is different than the NBA market. Right? The Warriors have said, we're, we're fine. They, they, they're clearly operating because of it. The Warriors' financial situation is interesting just in how they sold off a piece of their team and the valuation corresponds to them being worth $5.5 billion. So I guess they could just get some liquidity. If they ever need to get some liquidity, maybe they just sell off a piece of it, I, I, I suppose. I mean, that's insane when you think about it. That that story came and went, but they bought the team for, was it $450 million? So it has gone from a $450 million which was a record, $450 million purchase a decade later, now worth $5.5 billion. Pretty good turnaround, especially considering that they, they can't even really get too many fans in the building. Have they, Slater, have they raised the cap on how many fans? I mean, what do you... I believe it was 3,600. It, it went from basically like 1,900 the first game to around three the second home game, and then I think 36 last night with the upper deck open. I mean, I was there for the first night. Slayer, you were there for both. Can you feel the fans? Can you I didn't even go last night. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Oh, revelation. I revelation. I know. I, I pulled the plug. I was like, you know what? They're probably going to get <laughs> Hey, that's an excellent call, Slayer. <laughs> I, I, excellent I saw call. some fans tweeting about it, but they were expressing frustration uh, in the way that we weren't expressing frustration. We understood, but not being able to eat or drink. You know, I was drinking water at my seat during the first game, the media seat, and we were told we couldn't do that. And I mean, and I'm not sitting here to like complain about that. I'm just saying I know that what you're, what you're saying is I right. Tea and everything. I, yeah, <laughs> but like we're there, uh, particularly the fans are being told, no, you can't. You go to concession stands, you're eating. I brought there. a hot soup and I was breathing on it to try to cool it down. I was just blowing on it. Just yeah, I was it was being reckless. Now, I I think a lot of fans want to see the Warriors, the novelty, they miss it. But when you arrive in the building and you can't eat or drink when watching a, a sports game, that's something that I, 
I just wonder if word spreads around in these. I, it's just something that cannot be next season, I guess, is what I'm saying, in order for the NBA and to it, get it fans won't back. be. It won't be. But, I mean, you know, eventually stuff will loosen. I know they're, they're in no way part of, you know, similar to different parts of the country. But, like, you know, Atlanta, I just saw, announced like, Braves game starting next week, 100% capacity. Like, stuff is blowing open uh, over the next few months, it seems like. So, well, certainly outside. Ethan, you just want to get back in that bunker. Bunker that's sweets. what I want. That's what I want. Get me All back right. in the bunker. I, I bet I you they're eating this... in the bunker suites. Come I on, think man. They, oh, yeah. I probably have been this whole time. No, I don't know. We don't know that. We don't know that. <laughs> that was the last. I mean, the last time I was in the building, Tim, we were in the bunker suite. I think um, maybe not the last time, but oh, we were that was close all that. to it. Yeah, that was close to it. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that's that right. Cr- isn't that crazy? We were sampling all the delicious food we had that they were going to serve. All the food everybody. laid out on a table, and we were picking amongst it, sampling it. Can you imagine <laughs> doing that ever again? Ever again? February Justin's- twenty. February twenty twenty. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So this is where I kind of see this going. Have you seen the Spurs schedule the rest of the season? At Miami, at Boston, against the Sixers, at Utah, at Utah again, at Portland, at Brooklyn, at New York, two home games against Phoenix, a home game against the Bucks. They're going to lose a lot of games. Do they have the tiebreaker? Who, who's got the tiebreaker with the Warriors? They're going to win. The more Warriors than have we the tiebreaker too. They're going to win more than we yeah, think. This team, they keep doing this. <laughs> I would just say this: it's extremely likely that the Spurs are the ten, which puts the Warriors at the nine, and meaning they need to hop either Memphis or Portland, who are a few games ahead of them. Portland has been in a free fall, and they have, they're have they on the start of a really tough road trip. They actually won the first game after losing five straight. They beat the Pacers, but they have a bunch of tough games coming up on the road. So there are losses ahead for them, and they have the 29th-ranked defense. It's just not that good of a situation. So they're possible to catch, but if you talk to Warriors people, they think the worst loss of the season was that one right before the All-Star break where they blew it in Portland. They lost the tiebreaker that night. They obviously lost the game that they should have won, and that might hold them below Portland because even if they get up and tie Portland, they lose the tiebreaker. So Memphis is the team to look at, I think. Memphis is... Two games above 500, so one game ahead of the Warriors as of us talking. Jaron Jackson is back. Looked good in a game against Portland. Memphis actually just went into Portland and swept two straight. Jaron Jackson went 10 of 14 shooting in one of the games. By the way, Jaron Jackson is now my comp for Wiseman. That's that's where Wiseman needs to get to Jaron Jackson. Memphis is in Chase Center the last game of the regular season. Tiebreaker is on the line because it's 1-1. So to me, that seems to be where it's headed. They might be playing for the upper side of the play-in on the last game of the regular season. We'll see, but that that's kind of what I'm thinking. And we know how they turn up for those big games this season. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I see that. I, I mean, they're again. You, you, these are not great teams. They're in the middle of. There's a reason why they're all in this this group here. It's not because they've had great seasons. It's because they've had mediocre seasons. And the Warriors should win enough. Eight should be doable. It should. It might not. They might not get there, but it should be doable to get themselves in that upper tier. So you get two shots at it. But. It might be nine, and you know, I, I, I don't, I would not be shocked if they struggle around, bounce around, and they get to nine, and they get one shot at it. Nine gets but, them a home game. Yeah, at least gets them a home game, and and I think that should be the goal. I've said that. I don't think they think that's the goal, but I think that's just get a home playoff home game, see what Chase Center's like in, in the postseason. That's where the Spurs actually help. That's why the Spurs schedule helps them because them not being ten guarantees them some type of home game. Because even if they go up to eight and play a road game, if they lose it, they get a home game. So, so that's it. I, I've declared it. Get. In some way, somehow, get a home game in the playoffs, and they can declare some of the season somewhat of a success. 
How's that for qualifiers? And I think it's doable. I think it's very doable. I think it would be a disappointment for them if they didn't in some way get a home, get in a position to get a home. If game they get caught by the Pelicans, son. Yeah, that <laughs> would be bad. Yeah, that would be bad. Or, or yeah, or they just, you know, they just they just free fall. They would lose some more games that they should win, and they get caught by everybody. It would be a bad thing. But uh, there, there's enough there. And again, we're doing this off of a blowout. If we did this off the previous game, even though it was sort of a shaky win over Sacramento, we'd be saying a different thing. I mean, it all hinges on what we've just seen and what we just saw was crap. But it's very likely they could play two very good games after this. So get that home game. I still think six play is in play. Fun. I don't know what Slater's talking about. Six <laughs> is in play. We believe in six. We believe in six. I want you to lay out Ten and O. Ten and O. Oh, I'm going to rack up the subscription. Six seed banner goes up if they get the six seed. They put that right up next to the Kevin Durant retirement. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to rack up the subs right now. I'm writing they retired, a pathway. They retired 30, 35, 9, 23, and 6. <laughs> put them all up there. Six gets there. Six gets I'm them there. I'm writing a pathway to six, how they're going to win every one of these games, run the table. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. That isn't a pathway to subs. This next topic, I'm sorry to hijack the show, Marcus, is a subs-worthy topic. Are the 49ers about to save the Warriors and draft Max? <laughs> oh, I like this. I like this. This is oh, funny. Well, yeah, they're, they're about to lose me. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, um, this is gonna, this is going to be amazing. Tomorrow's going to be amazing. The last few days have been amazing. I know, as Ethan has commented, Warriors officials are fascinated by what the 49ers are about to do. I don't want to completely change this, but it's funny that like, people are saying, "Oh, it'll just be ridiculous tomorrow, and then it'll be over." Are you, are you kidding me? Once they make this pick, if it's Mac Jones. The repercussions of this pick are going to be like every day, ten times a day. Yeah, we hey, we yeah, never the discussed whole, yeah. the Wiseman pick. We didn't discuss it, it at all. This exactly. Season. It's like it's just gonna be. It's gonna be okay. Who was against it? Who I mean, to the point it? where if I'm Mac Jones, I'm like, don't pick me. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't want that. <laughs> I think that might be the one thing that stops Shanahan from doing it. Isn't that he thinks there's any question that Jones is the best pick? It's that if you pick him. Everybody is going to be looking for him to fail. Every single person on earth is going to be looking for reasons to fail. And do you want to put that on your guy? I think Shanahan does want to do it, is going to do it, but that would be the one moment of hesitation I think he would have. I still think they're taking Mac Jones because he's never had his guy. He's got to feel he's that Mac Jones is good enough to hold up to it. But the tidal wave is going to hit like you, uh, like nothing I've ever felt, I've ever experienced in Bay Area sports ever. This is the biggest thing, you know, amount of fan anger and angst that I've ever felt. No question, it's not even close. Wow. So I, I don't know anything about anything. The most casual football fans. But it's weird to watch from the outside because I, I buy the conventional wisdom that Fields is way better. And at Alabama, you've got all this talent around you. So that explains some of the productivity. But it is weird to see just such revulsion at the thought of drafting a guy who had a 77% completion percentage in college. I mean, just from the outside looking in as somebody who doesn't know anything, it's very strange to see how passionate and fired up fans are ahead of the draft of knowing that they know and Shanahan doesn't know anything and is a total idiot well, about Shanahan, this. And I'll just say this, Shan, and I've given him a pass for this, but he also passed up on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. 
Uh, and because he would, Watson, yeah, because yeah, he want because he had Kirk Cousins <laughs> and you know, and, and, and moved up to get CJ Beathard <laughs> and moved up to get CJ Beathard and you know like there's like there hey, is Beathard, a pattern. Beathard had a few good backups. Oh no, deals. you hear this? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, rocking the hair, you know, <laughs> you had some good moments. Replacing but, Nick Mullins, another <laughs> turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah another. Just, yeah, it's just the anticipation. As I said, the fans aren't mad that people say it's going to be Mac Jones. Fans are mad deep down inside because they know this it is might, something that Kyle Shanahan d- would do. This. Well, and also, the, this is a lot about the asset play too, right? To move up for. Three number ones. From, I think that's not, everything. Not from, I think that's not it. from yeah. twelve. I mean, not from like thirty. It's from twelve. So you had a very valuable asset at twelve. You kicked that in with two other, two other future number ones. To, My to Miami Dolphins three. thank the Niners for uh, that. The Dolphins came off of this like incredibly. It is the encapsulation of what people think about Kyle Shanahan. Like he's this mad genius Stubborn, who right? can get in. You know, as and I, I compare him to Don Nelson a little bit. Like. Like you, you don't want to coach against this guy. You absolutely do not want to coach against this guy. But maybe he's so intent on outsmarting you that he tricks himself on the personnel side in the most important position on the field, which is quarterback. And you guys are getting a little preview of a column that might be coming. Like he's so intent, and like even if there was some question about in his mind about Mac Jones, once the criticism hit about Mac Jones, what's he going to do? It's not going to run be run away from it. It's going to be. I'm right. I'm right. This is my guy. Of course I'm right. It's not going to be the other way. If he gets persuaded Man, that off sounds of Mac very Jones, familiar. Yeah, if he gets persuaded <laughs> from Mac Jones by John Lynch, or that, that is going to be an incredible story to tell. That If that's what's happening right now, I don't think it's going to happen. But if it does happen, what a freaking story. And that will have repercussions because then Kyle Shanahan will not have drafted his guy. So how is he going to deal with that? This is this thing. He's gonna be dogging Trey Lance his whole rookie yeah, year. Exactly. Huh? I mean, it, him. It, there is it was Robert Griffin the third. What weren't he and his dad's guy? Their guy was Kirk Cousins. You know, there's just that will be the tip. There you go. There's another thing I could write. If they take Trey Lance with a third pick and then take some other standstill quarterback in the fourth round, that will be your tip that Kyle Shanahan won, did not want to draft Trey Lance, which we know anyway. It's just a fascinating of so many different things about how to run a franchise, how to set up a roster, how to utilize draft choices, how to evaluate important positions that are universal, that are all focusing in on this one move. And and the 49ers coach is not happy with the way I portrayed it, too. So that's all fun, too. <laughs> yeah, the the draft value thing is big to me. Oh, like, oh, it's the, so that's, that's just huge. It's how, you manage, it's how you manage assets. Once again, my Miami Dolphins, thank you. But at the same time, following... 49ers plus minus... Following fringe draft coverage, the both the Alabama receivers coming out, Waddle and Devontae Smith, this is not good for the Dolphins, apparently said uh, one on an interview on NFL Network, the other in a team uh, interview were asked like Tua or Mac Jones because they played with both, and both of them were like Mac Jones, like said it very pretty transparently. <laughs> so, I mean, that's probably a good sign for Mac Jones. It's certainly not a good sign for Tua. But I kind of wanted to... to flip it back to my original question like is it good for the warriors if if the niners invite this firestorm uh is it good for just like the you know because like we've just talked all season about just like the swirling angst about the warriors you know in some ways it's like well you want your fan base like furiously talking about you and always like interested in everything you're doing but does this help teams root for failure of the other teams in their (laughs) city which is funny because it's never thought of that way. Um, and in theory, uh, it's all the same fans, but generally that has been my 
impression that they never come out and say it. The Warriors have an unusual relationship with the 49ers that is very cordial. They consulted with one another when it came to building a new arena. But generally, generally, you want all the other sports teams in your region to fail to make you look better by comparison. Those are the incentives. The controversy part of it would be probably decent for the Warriors, but they'll, you know their fans are still going to be angry, you know, for burning a year of Steph's prime. All those things that we that have come up over and over again. Steve Kerr, not the offensive system isn't right. They, what do they do with Wiseman? But it, it will be toned down without question on the talk radio or whatever. We're look, we're spending time on Warriors plus minus talking about the Four Niners, you know, after a 107 point loss. But it will still be in that conduct. It will still be ripped by the people who 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 support them, but. Yes, the, the the eye of the Bay Area and the eye of the nation, and instead of, you know, on first take, are they discussing Steph Curry's legacy or are they discussing what is Kyle Shanahan doing? They're discussing what Kyle Shanahan is doing. That has become the great debate point probably of this decade in, in Bay Area sports. I don't think there's going to be a bigger one. And so that does take a little bit off. But what if the Warriors play great? And then that takes a little bit of a you know spotlight off of that. So Katie's yeah, there goes yeah. pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, KD Katie's was, there was, big. was pretty big. Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty big. That wasn't three number ones in the entire future of the of the organization. But you're right. There, there are, are comparables. I'm not saying there are no comparables. I'm just saying in terms of the decision making and the process, that wasn't Katie's stay or go. Wasn't like what are the Warriors doing? Like the Warriors are trying to resign Kevin Durant. This is the 49ers investing their entire future, possibly on a quarterback who would be the most unathletic quarterback taken in the top three in the you know, last 30 years. I don't think there's a question about that. And also might have been there at 12, which is... Might, it, probably I mean, maybe wouldn't I, be, it probably wouldn't be, but I think that's his fair draft value. Just quarterbacks get pumped up. But you just you, you want to know why 49 fans are mad about this. It's James Wiseman. I just talked about this with a Warriors person, so it's fresh in my mind. He's the exact opposite of Wiseman. Wiseman is all talent. He's all possibility. You can't say something that he can't do, theoretically. It jumps off the page. He's young. You don't know where he's going to go. He's just, it's the possibilities are endless. It might not happen, but you see it. Mac Jones is entirely set to be one thing and one thing only, and that's if he maxes. He maxes of what he is. If there is a stumble, if there is an injury, if there is any problem in his rookie season, in his rookie season, he probably will not be that good. That's the problem. There is a set, fixed, finite sense of what Mac Jones can possibly be. And there is the exact opposite of what James Wiseman is. There are issues with the Wiseman pick. There are issues with Wiseman. But you can't say it isn't that there is a, you know, there is an unforeseen There's limit an to what he can do. Yeah, With Mac Jones, there is not this unlimited upside. There is strictly, he's Drew Brees. Well, Drew Brees wasn't Drew Brees for like six years. And I honestly don't believe you ever take a guy to be... He's this limited athletic guy who's maximized everything by more than anyone could ever say. You take the talented player and you hope he has these other things at the top of the draft when you trade three number ones. That's the issue. And that's why it's different than Durant. That's why it's different than anything the Giants have done. It's just it's bigger than anything because of the the buildup, the thought process, the, the draft capital expended, and the quarterback position in this league. It's it's That's why this is the biggest thing ever. Wow, you got me on a monologue on on, on non-warriors. And that'll be a wrap for 49ers plus minus. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Anybody disagree? Ethan, you disagree? I don't, but I just stopped recording my end of this. <laughs> I thought we were done. <laughs> I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed the uh, the overlap with the Wiseman pick. I do think the next 
you know half decade in Bay Area sports will be debating these picks. You know, like the wise and Mac Jones, baby. And the Mac, you know, if it is or Mac whoever Jones. it is, no yeah. matter who it is, yeah, even if it's Fields yeah. or Trey Lance. That's why the draft is important. I mean, it's just it's always important. But when you have a top three pick, or when you maneuver into it, it's that's it. It's it's the whole thing. If the Minnesota Timberwolves take Steph Curry, what's their future like from that point on? It's incredibly different. These things matter. That's why we talk about them. All right. Until next week, we are out of here.